<laughs> Thank you, Jill. Nice one. Jesse Pavalka in the house. How are you, my man? You all right? I'm doing all right, Alex. I'm doing all right. It's uh, it's good to to join you here today. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I know we uh, we hung out a few years back when you were back over in England and and such. I mean, it's been a while, man. When was the last time you were even over over our way? You know, I came out. Uh, gosh, that's a really good question. It was before the new year, I think. So it hasn't been that long. I come out. So the way I have it planned out when I go to the UK, it's every quarter. I go once a quarter for roughly two weeks. And in the summertime, I'll stay for four weeks. So I'm still going to the UK quite a bit. Oh, nice. But well, I just assumed with, with, with COVID and all the craziness yeah. that's going on in the world, you wouldn't have been over. But it must have been like five years since you came over and were in the studio yeah. that I was running and we went out and had those. I think we had a couple of beers and a steak or something. And, probably, uh, probably, yeah, probably, yeah. It was cool, man. But that was, a, yeah, that was a that was a long time ago. So, how's life in Texas? Because I know you've moved back there. But are you, yeah. you in Texas? Are you from Texas originally? I'm Texas, born and bred. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's uh, it's kind of like coming back home. Um, you know, I love California. I love the West Coast. There's so much variety there. In Los Angeles, there's a lot of you know you, you get a lot of culture. You, there's accessibility to just about anything that you want, good or bad. Obviously, in a city like Los Angeles, um, but uh, it's it's interesting coming back to Texas has been what would I say? It's been revealing would be would would be the best way to describe it. Meaning, I didn't know what was going to come up for me, and what's come up for me has been both beautiful and challenging. Okay, t- tell me more, man. You can't just say that. <laughs> yeah, well, let's you know talk about the beautiful side first. Yeah, so the beautiful side is my son's here. And one thing that Texas does really well is family and community. And and uh, there's a hospitality to Texas that you just don't find in a lot of places. People are just nice. They look you in the eye. They shake your hand. They uh, There's a, a real you know, kind of the staples of generosity and, and, and appreciation and gratitude, just saying thank you and please, uh, all of those things are valued here. Uh, and, and again, just, just the kind of community feel of things. So that's been a beautiful thing. And specifically for my son, just getting back, or actually not even getting back, for the first time, seeing what it's like to have a childhood where your parents don't have to have their second job be scheduling play dates. It happens effortlessly out here, which is how it should be. Uh, that wasn't the case in Los Angeles where we were living. It was a lot harder. So, you know, it's one of those things in hindsight, probably should have done something like this a long time ago. But, uh, you know, we're here now and I'm grateful for that. You want to hear the challenging now? Uh, of course, man. Yeah. <laughs> Course. We're okay. all about the challenge. We're all about the challenge on here. Yeah, you know, you know, there's um hmm. I think I think it's just letting go of familiarity. I you know, Los Angeles became very familiar to me. I still go back and forth, right? I've still got business there and uh I've got friends there as well. Um my my partner's cur- currently there, she lives there, so we're doing the long distance thing. That's a challenge, right? Long distance relationships aren't easy. Uh but making it work. You know, just takes a little bit of extra legwork. The the challenge has been getting, letting go of familiarity. Uh, routines changed a bit. And here's the deal. Like I love, I love health and fitness, obviously. That has to be a big part of my life. Um, and in, in cities like Los Angeles, it's there. It's there and it's there in a big way. Um, so if you wanted to go to, there's a store called Erewhon in Los Angeles. It's, 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 it's overpriced, 
but it's got everything from across the globe, all of the unique ingredients that you can't find in most places. So when you go there, you know you're going to get something that's really good for you. Um, and you can experiment with different ingredients as well if you're cooking or supplementation as well. Those kind of things you don't necessarily get here. So I've just, you know, I've uh, I've just had to make peace with that. Not a bad thing, just challenging in some ways. One thing I will say that has been a real gift is it's easy to find healthy food going out to restaurants in Los Angeles. Where I live now, um, it's not as easy. So I've been forced to cook more and I've loved it. It's been every day, every day cooking. So I'm loving that. Yeah, well, one of the, I mean, I'd love to come to Texas. And one of the reasons is the food. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just picture everyone like eating steak and having like ribs and drinking beer. And no, we had five years ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, Texans do it best, man. Like, you know, everything I hear is like the, the food there is, is great. And if you want proper barbecue, you go yeah. LA's changed quite a lot, right? Since since COVID hit, like so. From what I hear, anyway, obviously I'm I'm not there, so I hear things on po- certain podcasts. Says so it's quite a different place now. You know, it's hit really hard. You know, the industries, the restaurant industry, uh, the, you know, fell apart pretty much. So, what's the what's it like now? What's the current state of it? Are you talking about in in the US, Texas, or LA? Uh, no, sorry, in LA. Yeah. Oh, it did, it did change, but you know what I noticed was that a lot of the restaurants just got smart. Like if they weren't, if they weren't using deliver online delivery services a- applications, like I think you guys use, is it DoorDash or Deliveroo in, Deliveroo. in, yeah, Deliveroo yeah. in the UK? I, I don't, of course. Postmates, you know, Uber Eats, all of that, which I think is more international, but yeah. um, you know, the, the restaurants just got smart and just started marketing using doing digital marketing and you could get your, you, you could still get your food delivered, healthy food delivered. What was really interesting though, is you'd get these commercial kitchens. So some of your favorite restaurants opened up just kitchens like in downtown LA or, you know, in some of the, some of the uh, surrounding areas where for online uh, delivery only, they would prepare your meals. Uh, so, so it just, I think, I think the smart businesses um, looked at it as an opportunity and a lot of the healthy food options were able to thrive during COVID, but some of your favorite places did shut down, which is unfortunate. There, there was kind of a cleansing of, you know, or a, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Um, adapt or die scenario for a lot of businesses. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm over in San Francisco in September, so I've got no idea. Um, what's like. Well, I'm going to Vegas first, so I'm going to come out of retirement and party because I'm I'm partied for a long time. <laughs> Not probably, so I'm going to do my worst there for like I think I've got five nights there. I'm going to okay. see if I can do five nights, see if I've still got it in me, and then yeah, I'm off to Alcatraz for a few days. So I'm really looking. I've never been to America. I can't wait to go. It's your first time. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I mean. Good luck. <laughs> More so on your, your first trip. I think uh, you know, San Francisco is a beautiful place. Vegas, if 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 uh, you know if you if you're looking for what it sounds like you're looking for, I'm sure you'll succeed. Yeah. Well, originally it was going to be uh, I think it was going to be New York and, and Vegas, but the flights were it was expensive and it was long, and then we were going to get a car and drive from LA to Vegas, yeah. I think, but. We've ended up with Alcatraz and, and Vega, so yeah, I'm excited. So, nice. what, what's the mood like in America right now? Because you know, with all the with all the craziness going on, like there's a little bit of concern here, obviously with 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 what's going mm. on with Russia and Ukraine and and, and so on. And yeah. on edge. Are, are you guys feeling the same over over in America? 
Yeah, definitely. I think we we feel it, and, and you know, a lot of people are taking these things pretty personal as they as they should, especially if they've got family and friends, um, you know, that part of the world. Um, I think that economically, we're definitely feeling it. I don't know if you saw the recent gas prices in places like Los Angeles. It's just that's yeah, crazy, yeah, it's insane. But um, you know, it's just one of those things where everybody's having their own unique experience when. These things happen just like COVID, right? It's unexpected. We don't want it. Here it is. Um, you've got to decide what comes up. For, well, you don't, you have to be aware of what comes up for you. And then you have to decide what you do with that information. And, and that's going to change per person. So I think as a whole, the U.S. is handling it pretty well. Other people would probably disagree. Um, but, you know, for a lot of people, life is kind of BAU, right? It's like, well, we still have to show up each day. So businesses are still operating as normal. If you're going to be driving around when you get here, just be prepared that there's going to be additional costs. <laughs> and, uh, and and if you're in, you're going to be in Nevada and then California, I mean, most freedoms have been regained due to COVID. I think San Francisco, you, you might have to just be a little bit more aware of, of some of the mandates, but it's look you're you're gonna have a good time put it that way yeah i can't wait man and listen there's there's not much we can do right now you know we can keep an eye on the situation but yeah um, i think it's really important where we place our attention right now um i'm not quite sure how much we need to know um obviously we don't want to be ignorant to what's going on in the world but i just know that the more i pay attention to it i I just don't feel good it like it puts you on edge it affects the way that you think feel uh, and therefore act so it's you know it's a fine balance between yeah well what do i need to know and what can i do and shall i just yeah. you know head down and carry on with my own life it's yeah it's interesting right i look at media is like uh is like nutrition um you you have options in front of you and you you know you can you can walk down the aisle and, and you can grab your candy bar and you're going to get a spike of insulin and then you're going to feel really bad after that right so um it's when, when we look at media, you know, using that that lens, it's like you can you can choose the wrong source and it might give you a quick hit of something. But, you know, there's a there's there's a cost that comes with that. Right. If it's if it's, you know, if it's a negative news source, if the message around it is really heavy and emotional and, and not accurate, then, you know, that's going to have an impact on you. So you you got to think about you got to choose wisely. First and foremost, you got to set boundaries. If you know you like sugar, but sugar isn't good for you, then obviously we need to cut some sugar out of our diet. Same thing when it comes to media. If, if we like media and the sources that we go to aren't uh, aren't necessarily filling our cup, then we've got to set boundaries. And uh, I know that's easier said than done because we go there because we get something. But I kind of like the approach of delayed gratification, short-term, short-term pain, long-term gain. And what that means is in the short term, in that 10-minute window when you're craving media or craving sugar – um, you sit with that discomfort, you don't buy into it, and just see how you feel uh, when when you don't allow to be allow yourself to be controlled by the external. You 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 control by the internal and uh, yeah. and set boundaries and, and create a healthy lifestyle. 
Yeah, I mean, that's true discipline right there. It's, you know, it's what I try and practice. Uh, one of the best things I did for my own sanity, my own mental health, my own life was to stop consuming so much news, so much media. In fact, I treated everything like nutrition, Jesse. It was like I, I was really careful with everything that I absorbed because I believe that like whatever comes in like has to be, it has to come out. In, in you are what you consume, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from what you read to what you watch to who you speak to, like everything is like nutrition for me so it's always yeah. paying attention to that and because you notice the difference you know if you do it's like if you cut sugar out for 30 days right you feel great you feel amazing yeah and then when you reintroduce that crap back into your body you feel like crap so yeah. the same is for media with me as soon as i start consuming it i can notice my mood drop drastically yeah so i think the lessons are in front of us we just need to pay attention to them don't we and then Absolutely. be disciplined enough to uh, make the changes and um, i think that brings up the problem for for people that they you know if they're not consuming social media and other forms of media i think they're a little bit stuck at what to do like you know where do they place their attention it's like it's a good question it's like well yeah if you're going to swap an hour of that like where do you place that um, yeah you know and it's the biggest challenge is like Behavioral change, and you know, essentially, what we're talking about is behavioral change or habit formation, um, requires a substitute, right? So, like, you can't, you can't, you can sit with nothing, with with the void being, you know, um, the discomfort of not doing, or you can insert new behavior, right? So, um, you know, if if media is your thing, and 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 you know, it's not giving you anything that you want or anything that you need. Sitting with that discomfort is an option, yes, and getting used to it is not a bad thing. But then you can also say, you know what, I'm going to go for a 10-minute walk, right? That at least allows you to associate a new behavior with that void. So all of a sudden, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm going to go to the media becomes, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm going to go for that 10-minute walk. So that that supplementation um, is really important because then that's how we create the new neural pathways. That's how we start to shape a new relationship with ourselves and, and the world around us. And a lot of times people don't fill that void with something. They just sit with it and it becomes bigger than them. And then they go back to that thing. Sure, man. Yeah. And let's face it. If we concentrate on all the things we've got to give up, it seems like such an ordeal. It seems like such a hardship. Whereas, yeah, if we try and introduce new habits, like you've only got so much time in a day. So if you're, let's just say you decide, look, I'm going to get myself fit and healthy or, going to the gym it automatically replaces that i think when we spin it yeah people feel going to victim mode and oh well i can't watch tv i can't eat all the food that i want i can't drink all the drink and we forget to look at all this but this is what you get instead this is what you're doing instead and i think we all fall fall victim to that so uh, there's something you said at the start i just want to go back to which was about the texan way of like you know the old-fashioned integrity and shake your hand look you in the eye and please thank you um straight away that was like you know that grabbed my attention. I, I love those old-fashioned traits. Yeah. Men, like, you know, we're on the Better Man podcast. So, like, you know, why do you think some of those traits are lost now? Just like the old-fashioned handshake. Do you remember when you used to shake someone's hand, Jesse, and you used to know, like, it was a good, firm handshake. And I, used to, I was taught when I was young, like, you can tell a lot by a man by his handshake. And I, that's, that yeah. stayed with me. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But it's yeah. still something I gauge. You know, if you shake someone's hand, it's firm, and they look you in the eye, you're like, I already trust this guy. Yeah. 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 Where, where did we lose these traditions and, and these traits? I, you know, I don't, I don't think like here, here it's, it, it doesn't really get lost. Like that was the, one of the first things my dad taught me was when you meet someone, you shake your hand, you tell them your name and you look them straight in the eye. 
And that was when I was a kid. That's what you have to do. That's part of your, that's part of your learning. <laughs> and, uh, and I've always done that. That's not, a, I, I, I haven't ever changed that. And that's something that I, I, that I, I guess I, I appreciate about, you know, me and, and, and what, what my dad gifted me. Um, I think, I think what gets lost or what may have changed for some people is, you know, this, <laughs> you know, it's just so much easier to disengage and, and, you know, connect via some audio message or some text message, or, you know, the communication that we have is done purely through a, a social platform. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a muscle in my opinion, you know, coming together with people and, you know, being able to see them, like really see them. That's something that has to be exercised. If it isn't, then all of a sudden, I think, you know, depending on who you are, we put some barriers in place. You know, I can't trust that person or, you know, um, uh, there's a discomfort that might come along with it for some people. So it's a lot easier to not engage. I don't know that I'm answering this the way that you would want, but um, I think a lot of things have gotten lost because of how we've, what we've been through over the last couple of years, which isolation, you know, mm. breeds some pretty unfortunate I don't know, character defects or behaviors that come along with it. And, and that would be, you know, our ability to engage in a really honest, meaningful way. Uh, I was impacted by it. Definitely being, I, I've, there's some benefits to it. Don't get me wrong, but kind of integrating back into being in the room, like doing live events in the room right now would feel very weird for me. Um, having a conversation in this medium with you feels kind of normal now, whereas it used to be the other way around. Like if I was in the room, that muscle had been exercised because that's what I did. Now it's kind of, there's, there's more of a discomfort. So I, I think in a roundabout way, it, it, it relates to what you've asked. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing how quickly something becomes normal. So I mean, yeah. that, that's both a pro and a con. So it's encouragement that like, if you're trying to change your life, like you can, create a new normal within 12 months no problem but you can yeah. easily slip into normalities that maybe don't serve you like you say this is normal now you know you're in america i'm here we're chatting on a podcast it's, yeah. it's totally normal uh, two years ago it would have been crazy it wouldn't it just wouldn't really probably wouldn't have happened right it's it's, yeah. it's just the yeah. way we do things but yeah you're right i think like that disconnects i mean i love live events i love them even more now like the in-person like i think my appreciation for them has has grown yeah you know, like anything, what if someone's ripped away from us, we suddenly find out how, how important it is, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah doing the in live events is great. But, like, if you're a single guy now, Jesse, like, and you've got like, let's say you're 30 years old, right? You're a single guy and you, you sat at home on your own, you've got your phone, you've got everything you need there if you want. You've got form of communication, you can go on Deliveroo and get your dinner ordered, you can swipe yeah. right and look for all your ladies or, or whatever it is you want to do, man. Like, you can literally, yeah. like, survive without leaving your house yeah, yeah and i think like i've caught myself the, the occasional day thinking I, I, i've been on my computer all day man i've yeah. been checking in my clients like i've had you know no fresh air not much fun and all of a sudden you think shit i can see how people get into that habit of like yeah. every single day is like yeah in this box world box of the house box screen don't go outside and it really isn't good man like you say yeah. i think that might be the reason why Yes, a lot of men are struggling with weight, motivation, just the the basic human needs are are not being met. 
I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it, there's a lot that gets lost, you know, in this medium and, you know, like I can, I can sit here on this call with you. Obviously there's people on the other end watching. This is live, right? It's live. Yeah. But it's, there's something about like, I, I don't know your whole story sitting here having this conversation with you. Right. And I have to be very intentional about the questions that I ask if we're going to go there. Yeah. Um, if I'm in the room with you and we're sitting down and I see you and I see your body language and I, I we're, we're experiencing the room around us and, and life is happening. There's there, the barriers get reduced in my opinion. Like I can, I can have that conversation with you and it doesn't feel as fabricated. It doesn't feel like it's going to be work. It's just is. Um, one, that's one of the things I feel gets lost in this Um I can, I can, you know, I, you can put on a, you can put on a facade in this room, in this medium, and, and get away with it. I feel, whereas, you know, in a room, you you can't. So if you've got something going on in your world, we're friends. You've got something going on in your world. We're in the room. We'll have that chat. If I'm connecting with you over this medium, I don't know that that chat is easy to access. I agree, and I think you leave more of an impression on someone when you're in their company. So. You know, it was, it was a comment was made last week that I never really thought of. You, you know, if I'm doing a podcast with someone I've never met before, it's pretty much you come on a podcast, you do the podcast, and you you probably don't speak after that, and you can be easily forgotten through like the technology that we live in today. You know, because yeah, it's so fast moving. But when you meet someone, like you say, you can pick up a different vibe and that. Like you know, me and you have met, so we've had that handshake, and straight away I'm like, oh, Jesse's a decent guy. Like, you yeah. know, really normal guy, down to earth. Not, so coming on to this podcast was a different feeling because we've already made that, like, yeah. Yeah. Had that meeting. And I think that's something else that is is missed. But I was looking at your social media doing um, obviously a little bit of bit of research. Oh, by the way, dude, I've got actually this. I'm embarrassed even saying this, but I've got my first little photo shoot on Friday, right? For my Instagram. <laughs> I said, I've, I looked at your profile, I thought, this guy's a pro, man. I thought, I'm going to I'm going to have to ask some Jesse for some tips on how to get these pictures, man. Because, yeah, as soon as oh, the camera man. was in front of me, I'm like, get out, get out of my face. I don't want to know. You're you're at pro level on on your. I don't know about that. You know, it's it's uh, it's been a while since I felt comfortable doing any kind of photo shoots. Weird, and it? it's weird. But you've got nearly six. Well, across Facebook and Instagram, you've got yeah. nearly six hundred thousand. I don't know about TikTok and Twitter. I'm not on those platforms, yeah. so I, I didn't chase them down. But how do you stay authentic, or or at least your? How how do you give your most authentic self on social media, knowing that we live in a world where like, you know, everyone wants to see your best that, you know, they don't want to see Jesse at his worst. They want to see Jesse at his best. You know, people yeah. on a pedestal. How do you balance that out? Or do you just give into the world of social media and say, I'm just going to put out the good stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't know. First of all, I don't do a very good job of social media. <laughs> Go ahead and put that out there. And, and, and the team would totally agree with me right there. Something that we're working on. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. If I'm in a conversation with someone and it's a, a video, for instance, I, you know, I don't, it's really easy for me to be authentic. If if it's a post and there's text, it always feels a little bit, it's thoughtful. So, so there's some thought that goes into a post. Um, but I don't know. It, yeah, it's, you, you, I'm trying to understand the question. You want you wanted to know how do you balance authenticity with ensuring that you're entertaining 
essentially. Is yeah. Or if we go a little bit more direct, is like, is it possible to be authentic on social media now, especially like the larger the following you've got on, or do you end up becoming like that becomes a different part of you and a different version? So you've got this mask on that's like, you know, business, then you've got like dad, then you've got partner and like, yeah. can anyone really be authentic now on social media? It's, it's, it's I, mean, I, think, I think there's, there's places where I can be vulnerable and, and authentic and, and, in some some instances, I've been able to do so on social media, but for the most part, like if you're in my position, it's not about me. It's about people around me or the people that might be reading a message. Sometimes that does mean that there needs to be a level of vulnerability and authenticity, but a lot of times it's about information or story, mm-hmm. and those stories are other people's, and I'm just a messenger or a guide. Um so, so I think, I think for me, that's kind of the, the perspective that I have around the content that we create. Um, but again, I don't do social media very well. Now, if I, if I look outside of me and I think about just the world of social media, I think it's really challenging for people to fully uh, embrace authenticity or vulnerability. Some people do it really well, but it's, it's few and far between. Um, it, it is kind of a veneer of facade for people. It's a, you know, look how great my life is when, you know, under the hood, there's the story's different. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm answering that very well, Alex. But no, no, it's, no it's, a complex, it's a complex topic. Do you feel the pressure, like having such a large following? Do I feel the pressure? Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say I feel the pressure. I will tell you right now, I'm not a huge fan of social media. Mm. I know it's a great tool. I know that if you use it as a tool for good, you can do some great things. I get that. But I also know it's a massive distraction. It is It is something that unplugs you from the moment. It does more harm than good at this point for most individuals. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's you mentioned balance. It's, you know, being very intentional with your content, I think is key. Not just using it as a oh I need more followers, but maybe using maybe the the the, the driver being uh, you know how can I impact more lives, um, not necessarily build as many followers. I think that that shift in in perspective could be a, a nice first step for some people to change their their intentions around content. Um, and I do think, yeah, a little bit more kind of vulnerability. We need it. You you see you see it happening, but you know, there's definitely more needed. Yeah, media. I think balance is a, it's a tricky word when it comes to social media because I think the you know the idea of it is great. It's like the idea of you know having balanced diet. I think the fact is some of us struggle to do things in in moderation. So social media is there to you know it's designed for us to spend time on. Yeah. So, same yeah. as the foods that we have in the UK, you know, they're strategically placed in the supermarket. They're the cheapest items. Like, they're not easy just to have, like, you know, a few crisps. Like, if you're in, even me, like, I'm, I'm a disciplined guy, but, like, if you put a tub of Pringles in front of me and say, you can only have five today and six tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to be tested, man. I don't need that shit in my life. So yeah. I'm one of these that would prefer to quash the balance a little bit and go, do you know what, fuck social media for a bit. Like, my phone is, you know, delete the app. I like to just get rid of things. I don't want to test yeah. myself all the time because life's, life's testing enough. Like, so you have to pick your battles, I think. Yeah. So do I really want to have to like restrain from social media all day and try not to eat the things that are in the house? 
no, I'd rather not have the things in the house. Yeah. And I'd rather not have Facebook on my phone like I've done for the last two years. It's just easier. Yeah, well, and I, I think there's kind of a, you know, for a lot of people constantly plugged into social media, whether it's them posting or just kind of doing their aimless scrolling, you know, when you come up for air and you look up, life is kind of black and white. It's like, it's not as bright as it was before. And, you know, you notice whenever you take a long break from social media that it's technicolor again. It's like, oh, that that stuff's out there, right? It's like you're 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 a part of rather than, you know, separate or different or alone. And and I think that that just changes people's view of the world. So so yeah, I think you know making sure you set boundaries. We're talking about media. It's like you have choice, but I don't think people feel as though they have choice when it comes to social media. It's like oh, I'm just supposed to do this thing and go down and, and you know, I'm getting my quick hits of, of you know, dopamine and serotonin and, you know, I'm, I'm connecting with this person. So there's some oxytocin being released as well. So all these, you know, um, neurochemicals are being released and, and it's kind of overriding our ability to be present and, and realize that we have choice. Um, and and if, we can, if we can pause and be a bit more intentional with, you know, where we go, where we get our sources of social media and how often we show up and get those, uh, engage with those sources, then life can be pretty bright still outside of the the small screen. Well, I think you've nailed it there. I think it's how often we decide to show up. So, you know, I'd argue that I'm not sure we do have a choice once we're in the game of social media, once you're on it. Like, I think, you know, the companies are so big and powerful now that, like I say, they, they've got the best people working for them, making sure that we do scroll. <laughs> That you so, yeah. yeah, so it, you know it's a battle that's it's going to be really hard. And if yeah, if you're on your best game for the day, you might be able to win. But the next day, if you're a bit tired or you're a bit stressed, you're going to lose. So yeah. I think you're right. I think it's you've got to pick how often you show up. So yeah. that's where like I know we you know we say all or nothing isn't needed. But for me, sometimes like you have to have yeah. that approach with with things like social media and so on. So yeah, it's a challenge, man. So obviously, you come between America and England quite a lot, and the UK quite a lot. What's the biggest difference with uh, people's uh, reflection and 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 view on health and fitness? Like, do, is there much of a difference between how the Americans and the English do their health and fitness, their training, their nutrition, their uh, motivation, their approach to getting in good shape and feeling good? You know, I think I think that um, it just depends, man. That's a tough one to answer because if I'm in Los Angeles, I'd give you a different answer than if I was in in Texas per se. I think, and and probably the same thing if you're in London or, you know, my business partner lives in Southeast England in in, in Kent, so uh, near Dover. So you're going to get two totally different um, types profiles of people that are you know going to the gym what their idea of eating healthy is. Um, so what their, what their drivers, what their motivations are essentially. And um, it, it all depends, man. And that's, that's, that's the reality. There are a lot of similarities though, I would say, you know, if you're, if you're in a big city like, like London or, or Los Angeles, the, uh, the culture is going to be different. Uh, whereas if you're in, you know, one of the villages or uh, uh, town cities in, in Kent, it's going to be, it's going to look different. Um, so, you know, in LA, we've got Equinox. Where I live here, we've got a small gym where, you know, you see a lot of power lifters. Um, yeah. One, you're going to be able to go and do yoga, Pilates, uh, you know, uh, a variety of classes and types. Uh, there will be a mindfulness meditation moment as well, probably in that, in that option. 
uh, here, you'll be doing some power lifting, some resistance training. And, you know, if you're lucky, maybe one day a week, there'll be a yoga class. So, um, however, you'll be able to find yoga at another building, but I'm talking about a commercial gym and what they offer. So it's, um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Why is that? Is that just the Texas guy thing? Because again, when we think of, when I think of tech, you know, guys from Texas, they're, they're quite tough guys, you know. Yeah, yeah, very, uh, very, yeah, yeah. Honest. yeah. Is that is that is that how it is? Yeah, there's there's a definitely when you when you grow up in South Texas, it's like you got to be a man, you know. And I think that's changing a bit. You know, I think I think the global culture is changing around what a man really is and what a what a what a woman is or you know what anybody is. Um, so I, and I think it's, I think it's a good thing, right? I think for men, you know, the way I grew up and if I think about the way my dad probably grew up, um, you just gotta be hard. You gotta be tough. You, you know, just get on with it. And I don't think that works. I don't think that works. You look at the suicide rates in the UK specifically. I did, I did some research on this not too long ago. The most vulnerable group is the kind of around 40 year old males, uh, that number's increased exponentially since the 90s. And I can't remember exactly the percentage, but it was pretty shocking. And that's on an upward trajectory. So, you know, this idea that we've got to be tough is also the very reason. It's it's also the very reason that we are finding ourselves in positions where we can't ask for help, where we can't express our emotional state, um, where we don't feel safe enough. Um, and so, you know, again, I think that the kind of global culture of what, who we are as people is changing for the better. And, uh, and what it means to be a man is not, not, uh, you know, just being more resilient, being strong, getting on with it. It's being able to have that inner flexibility to also break down and, and, uh, and say, you know, I'm not good. I'm going to cry right now or, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because that's, that would be my, perspective of manning up a little bit you know when we talk about being a man like it's having the courage to do that but this is a real fascinating topic and we can go into this now about because I would say like I don't think there's anything wrong with being like a tough like individual a tough person a tough man I don't think there's anything wrong with encouraging other men to be tough as well yeah. um because that that stat that you were talking about is frightening like I think it kills more people than like the amount of people that have died in all the wars put together, the, the suicide rates we're talking about now. Now, what, you know, part of me thinks, well, is it the overuse of the things we've just talked about? You know, social media, are we becoming a softer nation and therefore we don't have the inner resilience that we used to because we're not having the same experiences in life? You know, we're living more comfortable lives than we've ever lived. Therefore, when like the horrible situations come along like COVID or what's facing us now, we really don't know how to handle anything no. that... That, that's tough so part of me is on the fence about this like, i'm a fan of masculinity i think it's i think it's good i think it's healthy i don't want it to be confused with being like macho because they're, they're very different things but masculine is the thing that you've just spoke about it's having the courage to say i'm struggling it's taking responsibility it's taking ownership it's stepping forward and i think if you ask the opposite sex what they'd like in a man they would often say it you know mm. somebody to um you know stand up uh, stand up for themselves, uh, take responsibility, lead the line, uh, yeah. keep them safe. So it's a confusing message, isn't it? It's like we're saying to guys, be vulnerable, but be tough at the same time. Now, I can I can manage that in my head and I understand it. I understand how to be vulnerable, you've got to be very tough. But yeah. I think that it, it's a hard message to drive across to guys 
Because when we say you've got to be strong, you've got to be tough, I think a lot of people will take that on board as don't show your emotions. I don't believe that to be true, but this is quite an interesting topic. I don't know where you sit on this one or whether you think we we need to toughen up a bit more in terms of, yeah, being vulnerable and, you know, stepping forward or whether we need to do the opposite and just step back and let things take their own path a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, well, I I think... um... I think you're absolutely right. As far as, you know, it's not binary, right? You can, it's more about how we define things and, 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 you know, being, being vulnerable is being tough, right? It's like being strong. So, you know, I don't know that I have always felt that way. I had to, I had to arrive to that definition or redefinition. Um, I certainly wasn't in my twenties able to articulate my emotional states when I, when I was experiencing maybe some inner struggle, I wasn't able to give language to things. And that's a journey you have to be willing to go on. That's not one that you, some people are born with that skill. They just get it. And there's just a a wisdom and an awareness, but there's a trial and error for a lot of, a lot of people that were born into a culture that, um, that defines tough is just getting on with it and emotions get in the way. Um, you have to see the value in it, right? You've got to go there. You've got to hit that. You've got to hit your head against the wall a few times and, and realize this thing, this thing that I'm doing is not not really working anymore. Or you got to hit your rock bottom, however you want to, you know, phrase it. Um, but you know, I, that, that's kind of how I see it. I think there's a lot of people that are still on their journey to give language to to their their inward journey um, and what's going on. They, they haven't figured out those words, and you know. That's that's just part of our evolution, our individual evolution. And if we're willing to go on the ride, then there's some pretty magical things that we can experience and a new version of ourselves, a new identity that we can shape for ourselves and, and the collective of, of men and women. I mean, you've seen some incredible things happen with the women's movement over the last few years and how they've started to really redefine what it means to be a woman. And I think it's beautiful. We had International Women's Day two days ago, I think now. And just all the messages that you saw out there about what it means to be a powerful woman. People are talking about these things. This platform for men, you know, we're talking about these things. And, And I think that when you catch a person in that transition of I've got to be tough, vulnerability is weakness, when they're trying to give language to this thing and redefine this thing. Um, it uh, It's platforms like this, conversations like this, that give them that little nudge. It says, all right, all right, I'm going to try this. I'll, all right. And the next time I'm going to, I might speak up, you know, and, and, and I think that's, that's what it takes is just reinforcement and uh, a conversation that, that encourages people. Yeah, sure. And it's, it's strange because when you say powerful women, I'm like, yeah, it was International Women's Day, like you say, two days ago. And it's it's great. When you say powerful man, I'm not quite sure we could define that as easily. Because again, there's an element of like, well, it sounds quite macho. Like we, we don't want more powerful men. Like, and I'm like, well, no, it, it, for me, it's not about that. So it's interesting, like you said about your 20s, like they were my, you know, late 20s was where my most of my struggles occurred. No. When I look back, that was when I was at my least masculine in terms of like I would avoid responsibility like hell. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't step forward. I would try and get away with what I could get away with. So I'm like, well, not being masculine in that time of my life actually gave me everything I didn't want. Yeah. So I can't, I can't, re- you know, resonate not being masculine with not living a good life. For me, there, it's a great quality to have. 
because yeah. a masculine man is um, is very emotional, very affectionate. You know, he does the right things or he tries to do the right things. That's how I would view masculinity. And I just fear that that's being lost a little bit where we're, we're straying or staying away from that message. And we're inc- I think men are a bit confused about what we're encouraging them to do. We're, we're encouraging men to speak up in one sense, but it's hard to speak up in today's age because you can get penalised for it. So what do you do as a man? Well, you back off. And I don't think that's healthy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, there's there's been a, a – everyone <laughs> – I find myself being very – have to having to be very thoughtful about the words that I choose because, sure. and I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's good that we have to be more aware of the words that we choose because some people just run on autopilot and just have verbal diarrhea. It's just stuff that just doesn't, it's inconsiderate. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but so we're human, know. right? We're human and that can human. happen. Yeah, my, yeah. My, my concern is that you could say something wrong one day Yes, yeah. And that's it. And all of a sudden you're a piece of shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the that is one of the biggest things I think we could change is like not putting hard judgments on people that mess up. Like yes. we all mess up and we all deserve to try to make it right. It doesn't mean that we're excommunicated from society. Um and, and I think that you know there is there's definitely a way that we can handle um how we um I guess how we condemn people that make mistakes. Like if anything, what we should do is give them a platform and give them some resource to be educated and see that evolution of what it looks like when you go from point A to point B and all of a sudden you have enlightenment or a new perspective. That's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be making people smaller. We should be, we should be showing what support feels like or looks like and and what transformation looks like that. That's that to me is powerful. But you know that's not it's not the world that we're living in right now. It's you, uh, say, you, you say you say the wrong thing. You better watch your ass, man. Because what a terrible message for like the younger men out there. Because what we're literally saying is like you better not fuck up. Because if you yeah, do, you're yeah. finished. And I think you know when we use the words transform, like everyone's excited about a transformation. But transformation suggests you're moving from point A to point B, like you've just said. So. Like we want to, like anyone that I really respect has gone through hardship. They've been through really tough times, made a lot of mistakes. And I really respect a comeback in somebody. So, you know, if we were to go out and have some beers, Jesse, I'd be really interested in like your toughest times. I'm, I want to, I want to know that about everyone. I want to know, like, not your best stuff. Like, I don't, I'm not that interested in your best. I'm more interested in, Jesse, tell me about like the worst shit and how you've handled it and how you, you know what I mean, that's what I'm interested in. And like I say, I think we're going to end up encouraging men not to make mistakes or if they, or they're going to be so scared to make mistakes that they end up not doing anything. And everything's so hypocritical now. Like we can't yeah. encourage men to grow and, and speak out. And then on the other hand, slap them around the face when they make a mistake and push them off to the side. It yeah. just makes no sense to me. We should be helping people, supporting people, giving people a second chance, letting people apologize. I think the word sorry will mean nothing in a few years. I don't think it will mean much at all, but especially not publicly. I don't think you'll be able to use it because I think, yeah, you say one wrong word. And this is what I was getting to earlier about the, you know, the large following you've got. Like, I don't envy you. Like, I don't think I'd want the large following. I think there's so much pressure. There's, you have to watch everything you say and do. And that goes back to my point about being authentic. It's like, well, are we really authentic or are we really just cautious in saying what we think we should say? I think I think there are a lot of people out there that are 
very authentic. And I mean, you know, you look at like if I think of I think if I think of like a person that came to mind for me when you were saying that was Joe Rogan, right? He's got no problem being <laughs> him, right? He will go there, and he's his audience is massive. <laughs> Love that guy. Um, yeah, he will be the next one to fall, I think. And if he does, I think that's going to be a real kick for us all. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of of you know him his his own profile and his own platform. It'll live on. Yep. Might not have the same um, backing or support that it has, but he'll certainly have the following because he he's he's got people that can relate to him and his perspective. So. You know, it's uh, but but I know what you mean. It's it's once once things get turned up, once you realize that, OK, there's a lot of people that are either relying on me. Um, you know, if you've got a business behind you, it's like there's people here that need to eat. <laughs> like there's there's people here that that look up to you. There's people here that respect you and admire you. There is a pressure that comes along with that. But there's also a really beautiful accountability, which is like I've got to force myself to grow and get curious about the ways of the world and the directions that we're going. And if I disagree with something, that's okay. I don't have to make it a thing. I don't have to make it a public thing. I can just disagree with it and, and share what I do think, you know, in, in a very strategic, tactful way, maybe. But, you know, at the end of the day, I still get to be myself. It's just being super, super aware that my perspective is my own. And a lot of going back to, you know, content, a lot of what I do is not about me. It's it's the beauty of, you know, health, well-being is it lives in a space that can't go wrong. If you do it right, it can't go wrong. You're trying to help people. Now, once I start to have an opinion about personalities or politics or, you know, religions or belief systems, which are very unique to the individual, that's where you run into issues. But if you make it about the work, you make it about the people it's a pretty easy thing to navigate, I think. Sure, man. Yeah, if you say the right things. But I think, like, there's nothing wrong with debate either. Like, I think we're we're in a world now where even debate seems wrong. Like, I mean, you could have a, a debate yeah. about, you know, whether, you, you know, you think men should be less masculine. I think they should be more. And I could probably, you know, we could probably have a great debate about it. I could learn from you. You could learn from me. Yeah. And that's what a good talk is, isn't it? It's yeah, like, you know, yeah, don't avoid that. Yeah, you're not trying to win an argument. You're hearing other people's. I like hearing other people's opinions. Otherwise, I might as well speak to myself. Yeah, I mean that's why I do this podcast. I'm like, I'm really interested in Jesse's view on this. I'm like open to it, and I like learning, and I'm curious. So you could change my mind on something because you put things over in a different way to what my brain would think. That's what I love about learning from people and talking to people. Yeah. So I think it's important that we still create environments to do that. Hence me creating this podcast because yeah. I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you. I want to learn from everyone that comes on the podcast. Yeah. but and, and I also think, you know, the word debate implies that I'm against you. And I think, you know, a conversation is two people. They can have their own opinions, but with curiosity, you know, you're open to, to being changed. In a debate, there is no, like, it's I've got to win. And, and, you know, it, the, the victor gets their hand raised and it's, you know, 12 rounds and we're done. Um, yeah. I think the beauty about the conversation that we're having is I can sit back with curiosity and be moved by your perspective uh, because it reveals something about me that I didn't know or vice versa. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not the best. I'm, I, I would suck at debating because I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of like, you know, you know what? 
you're right. That's how you see it. And I, it's just like I would I would be the worst yeah. world's worst debater. Don't put but I think debate is probably the wrong word for me to use because when, when you hear debate, you might think of like Biden versus Trump. Yeah. yeah. Which guys take it to the Trump's Trump. great, right? He knows how to polarize and you know he's he's Trump's a good debater, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah, but that, I know what you mean. That that's the classic argument. So yeah. is it a, a son or a daughter that you have, Jesse? I've got a twelve year old boy. 12-year-old boy. So no. like, what what is your method on parenting then? I know that's a complex question, but are you, obviously, you know, it's a difficult time to raise uh, a child, let alone, you know, a, a 12-year-old boy, like, because, yeah. you know, he's at that age and all the conversation we've just had, you know, masculinity, like, what's a good man, what isn't? Like, do you just kind of, like, like lead by example? Is that, like, a way of parenting where you just think, I'm going to install and try and pass on what I think is a good person and good values and whatever he, whatever path he decides to go down, I'll, I'll be cool with that. Um, I think that it's a mix for me. I find myself um, being very attached to what I think he needs to be like and what he needs to do. And sometimes that's good because it, it pushes him outside of his comfort zone. But the majority of the time, what I try to do is just be curious about who he is and who he's becoming. Um, yeah, I read something. It was a poem or something a long time ago, and I'll paraphrase. But it was, yeah, it was essentially, to summarize it, it was about, you know, your children are born into the world, but they're not yours. And and what that means is, like, yeah, I, I help create him, but he's his own person, and he's going to become his own person. And if I try to put a kink in the hose of his life, then he's not going to be who he's supposed to be. So I guess it's kind of like guide and navigate. However, here's where it gets tough for me. Sports. <laughs> so, so if you want, yeah, masculine dad comes out. I just, uh, I just coached his basketball league by default because their coach had to, the original coach had to, to bow out. Um, and it was something I never thought I'd do. And I, I loved it. I freaking loved it. Um, my son took it more seriously, which was good. It was a really fun experience, but man, the competitive, the competitive side of me came out. I got very serious. Um, and, uh, and, and it was, it was a, it was a fun thing to be able to kind of bring into our dynamic, our father son dynamic, because it's, you know, when you think about achievement goals, um, pushing past limits, experiencing discomfort, but getting used to it, the anxieties of, preparation and, and, you know, game time and all of that. There's so much in that experience that transfers into life and you're able to apply a message that's like what's happening right now is a good thing, right? Like if it's an anxiety or discomfort or, you know, uh, this, this desire to want to win, but you lose, um, there's so much in that that I'm just like, okay, this is my moment. I get to be, I get to be like the messenger of life for my son. And so I take that that very seriously, the sports bit, and I do I do come across as a little bit overbearing and and probably a little bit too disciplined for a twelve year old boy. But um, did you probably. bond any further, like since you did that game with him or the, or the management? Because I would imagine that is a good way to bond with 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 your son, like through something like sport and team and. Yeah, I would say yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, I mean, when you think about the game of, uh, is it basketball? You said, yeah, it's basketball. Yeah, or, or any sport. 
what I love about it, there's going to be so many setbacks, there's going to be so many victories, so many losses, so many lessons to be learned. Everything we've just talked about, really, that you're going to experience in life. And I think sport is in a brilliant way to learn how to deal with some some of those things. I yeah. think it, it, it's the brilliant. microcosm of, of life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you've watched the Michael Jordan documentary. Uh, Last Dance? Yes. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, I thought you'd like yeah. that. Yeah, it's really, really yeah. cool. And, yeah, the amount of setbacks that that guy had, like because we all like to think of Michael Jordan as this super talented guy, when really, he was, you know, he's a really hard-working sportsman. Uh, give his heart and soul into it. And yeah, I think for a 12-year-old for a to get into a sport is a good thing. And again, another danger of like too much social media versus activity because you don't get those lessons. Like you need to learn how to lose in life as well. It's really important. Yeah. You have to learn how to lose. Um, losing yeah. is good. Failing yeah. is really good. And we certainly don't want to set our youngsters up to think that they should win all the time. Yeah. It's a dangerous yeah. game to play because, yeah, then then we're all privileged and then, you know, we can't handle any hardship. And sport is one of the best ways to learn how to, to get beat yeah. up and, and knocked down. So I think that's a great thing, man. And the fact that you can run the team and, and, and have an influence there. And uh, it's interesting, Jesse, because I think a lot of guys bond through struggle as well. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Especially like teammates, if you go through a battle together, yeah, like yeah. it's how it's how us men bond. So I take the guys, we go climbing and hiking, we do like you know, uh, mountains and stuff, and it's the challenge, yeah. And it's on that challenge that when we get to the top, we're so much closer because we've been through the same struggle, so we yeah. share that fight. So you need you need to go through that with other men to bond. Yeah. Men don't bond just like cup of tea at, down at the coffee shop and speak about emotions they don't do that they will bond through sport and challenge and adversity and setbacks and then then they let their defenses down i've noticed that a lot yeah for i think for the the more kind of athletic types especially there's there's that that need for the kind of cooperative um collective experience where we're all going towards that that point uh, you know, whether it's the top of a mountain or, you know, fourth quarter, um, we're going there and we need to get there and we need to be at our best working together, aware of one another. Um, if I get hurt, I need you to come help me. If, you know, if, if someone's slowed down, we need you to come to the back and help support them. There's that just awareness of one another and the fact that you're in it together that I, I, I agree kind of. Um, drops the veil and, and allows us to really connect in a way that that uh, is super meaningful. And that's only through experiences. I, I agree with you. I think for again for athletic types, it, it, we need that for sure. That's that's our tribe. That's our community. That's our you know our brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and even if it's not athletics, I think we all need something else to fight for rather than ourselves. So I was doing a little bit of writing this morning. I've, you know, I've got lucky enough to have friends that do screenplays and films and so on. And you know, I was doing a little bit of writing on a screenplay, and I was like, looking at this kind of, you know, conversation about like, what would you die for? And often it is, it's other people that you would die for. It's, it's big causes. It's the Ukrainian soldiers now. They're willing to die for their country. And I thought every man needs something to get out of bed and fight for, even if it's the the twelve year old lad playing basketball for his team. At that precise moment for your boy when he's playing on the court, it's life and death. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, this is my team of, of lads. I want to do everything I can to help them, support them, to win this match. 
And then if we don't win, I'm still going to shake the opposition's hand and say, well done. That, that, that For me, when we're talking about masculinity and, yeah. and, and, and becoming a man, there's so much to learn from those situations. We need something to fight for. And I think when you wake up each morning, if you, if you haven't got that in your life, if you haven't got that purpose, that's when you become heavily depressed. That's when you start to struggle to get out of bed. Yeah. And it might only have to be something small, like an animal or a person that you love, but you need a reason, man. You need a reason to survive. Yeah. Life's tough. Yeah. So you can have an antidote to that. Otherwise, you're fucked. Like, you have to have something to fight for. So, for me, sport is is a great way for young guys to, yeah. to yeah. Get, get, get some emotion out. How do you um, – do you have to remind yourself, Jesse, of what's important in life? So, like, you've got, obviously, relationship. You've got your son. You've got business. You've got your own health, your own hobbies, your own ambitions. Like, there's so <laughs> much to do. Do you have to sit back sometimes and say – what's most important to me and am I giving that my full attention? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the balance of, of, of those things in my life is, you know, there's no way to get it perfect. And that's the biggest piece is accepting that this is not going to be easy. I've got a lot of things that I value in my life. Um, and, 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 you know, making sure that each of them is getting the attention that they need uh, at the right time is is something that I, I struggle with, but I, I do my best, and I just gotta remember that. Um, as far as prioritizing things, I've got me. I've got my kind of. I've got my own well being. We'll call it my own kind of element of spirit or spirituality or connection that I that I need in place so that I can show up in all the other roles in my life, and I think I have to put that at the top. If I don't put that at the top, um, I find that I'm unable to have this natural ability to prioritize those things. I can't be in it with those things and be present. There's almost a, 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 an anxiety or a, um, a thing in the background that, that, that kind of builds. I'm, that's just me. And, and, uh, so, so I think if I if I make sure that that I'm good, I'm taken care of, and my routine is in place, I can show up to those roles, except when they're not in balance, not be too hard on myself, and feel good about my role as a business owner, as a leader, as a father, uh, and as a human being in the wider world. And I think I think that that's probably the biggest challenge for people is you know the oxygen mask analogy, putting their oxygen mask on first. It's not easy, especially if you're someone who's a uh, either a people pleaser. If you have, you know, if you get overwhelmed easily, you have a, a greater, uh, you know, uh, experience of anxiety or worry in your life. It's very hard to to show up and uh, and be present in 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 the things that that are calling you or needing you. So, yeah. Does that answer the question? <laughs> I, I can't even begin to imagine how hard it is to be a parent. I can't even begin. Are you wonder, are you, is this going to be a journey you're going to embark on at some point? You think? I've got to find a woman first, dude. <laughs> well, that's why you're going to Vegas and San Francisco. Yeah, I'm not going to show I'm going to find my wife in Vegas, but we'll see. <laughs> but, no, I just think it's the hardest job out there. Like, I really do. Like, That's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's hard. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. And maybe I'm being cynical because I'm sure that the pros outweigh the cons. But by far. In, yeah. in my experience, I think I think um, the work is worth it. Um, 
I probably, I, I wouldn't say my son is not hard at all. He's, he's amazing. He is just an incredible, incredible kid. Very lucky. Uh, it's me. That's probably, that is the thing. And I think moms and dads just need to give themselves a break, man. If you're working and you're, you know, you're showing up and you're, you're taking care of a household, like give yourself a break. You know, you're, you're doing a lot. And I think when you give yourself a break, you can, you can't actually do a better job at, at parenting because it's the, it's the resentments. It's the, it's the, the anxieties and the, the overwhelms that kind of come along with balance, the balancing act that, that make it hard. And, and that just at the end of the day, while you might, it might show up in an argument with your kid at the end of the day, it's really just a reflection of you and how you're feeling about yourself. So, yeah, yeah we have a lot of these conversations in, in the better man, because a lot of the guys are dads, you know, yeah. they want to be the best dads they can be understandably. Um, but we always try and define what a good dad is because a lot of the guys will originally, they'll have, a target to be the best that they can, but they don't know what that looks like. So they're forever chasing something. Yeah. And when yeah. they step back to look at it, they actually, they give themselves credit and acknowledgement. You know, they switch their phone off at the weekend for a few hours. They, they give their kids what they need. You know, they're doing, they are doing their best. And I think it's important that you know your own standards. It's a bit like the weight loss analogy, Jesse. A lot of people will say, Oh, I haven't lost enough weight this week. And I'm like, well, what would have been enough? And they don't know the answer. So, it never would have been enough, no matter what they'd have done. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's important. And just having good enough standards as well. I mean, that sounds really um, like pessimistic, but it's not. I don't think you have to be the best dad. I don't think you have to be the perfect dad. I just think you have to be a good enough dad and know what good enough looks like. Because yeah. otherwise you try and be the perfect business owner, the perfect dad, the perfect husband, the perfect son. You're going to fucking fail. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be you can't be though. So I don't know where you'd even start with with that. But I guess it maybe it's more of an internal thing. You know whether you're being a good example or a leader or a good dad. I don't know whether it's an internal gut feeling or whether it's a strategy. I think I, I I'm a firm believer that, you know, behavior shape beliefs, right? And so, you know, you mentioned you mentioned uh I think it was weight loss. Um you know, you don't go on a weight loss journey and all of a sudden two days you, you've hit your target, right? It's those little steps that you take towards towards that goal and weight loss. And I don't even like to say that I don't weight loss and, and, and our idea of what success is usually shows up on a scale or at least that's how it was you know, five years ago. I think it's changing uh, rapidly changing more recently. Um, but if we're looking if we're applying that same kind of um method to to parenting and you know changing the way you feel about parenting it's about what are the experiences that you're creating with your kid what are the moments like it could be as simple as reading a book at bedtime whereas you weren't doing that before it could be as simple as making breakfast rather than giving them a banana you know when they walk out the door to go to school it's just like what are the steps that are required because steps essentially are behaviors behavior shape beliefs, right? So that thing that we do is going to tell us how we feel about ourselves or our, uh, how we feel about the world, our ideas about the world. And, and, and when we look at parenting, those things that we do are going to shape our beliefs about ourselves and the parents that we are and, you know, who our children are as well. Whenever I give back to my kid, like if I'm giving him time, I feel good about him. 
most importantly, I feel good about me because I did it, right? Oh, good. That felt good. I sat down, gave him some of my time. I feel good. But I also feel he's going to be okay because I did that, right? So the behavior shaped the beliefs. Um, and we have to remember that in anything, anything that we do, whether it's parenting, whether it's weight loss, whether it's leading a company, um, your behaviors matter most. And yeah. And that's why we have to lean into action. No, I agree. I mean, we're big journalists inside the group that we do. And, you know, at the end of each day, we, you know, we, we can all sleep well if we feel like we've behaved in a certain way. It's not yeah. necessarily about how much you've got done and what you've achieved. But I know myself, that's where my, a lot of my struggles came from uh, in my, my late 20s. I still do if I'm behaving in a way that doesn't sit with my alignment. So it's important to be a good person for me, more important than getting things. Yeah. And I'll never forget, Jesse, at the end of uh, last year, we, we did a big meetup and I said to the guys, I want you to share it. I want you, all of you to share your biggest wins throughout the year because we'd collected them. Yeah. And all of them were about moments and experiences. Yeah. None of them were about material possessions. None of them. Yeah. And that's not to say that these guys hadn't gained material possessions, but the biggest things that stood out to them were moments with their parents, their kids, just moments, you know, things yeah. that you could put in a photo album. It was always about that. And it was always about the person that they were becoming. Uh, and that's why I called the program The Better Man, really. It was because I know, I know that every man can be okay with the outcome if he feels like he's behaving well. So I can cope with failure if I've behaved in a way that I think is, is decent. I can cope with any outcome. I can't cope with failure if I've been acting in a way that goes against my values. And I'm starting to know this is a trend. You know, guys sleep better at night when they've behaved well. Yeah. Guys, you know, guys are more peaceful. They're more content because they know, you know, when they're on their own, they can look in the mirror and say, I'm becoming a decent human being. And that's far more powerful. And I think, you know, from a parent in view, I think if, if we, if we can encourage men to do that as a parent as well, just be, be good be yeah. decent, and pass those values on, then you can accept whatever your kid becomes as a, in a job or a career. Can't you, you, you yeah. want your kid, I'm assuming just to be a decent, happy human being. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I got it all sus, mate. I got it all sus. You got it, man. You got it. I love love that you're doing this. I love that you're bringing people together and, you know, specifically men, um, because there's there's not a lot of this conversation happening. It's just for I think for a lot of people, we've got to figure it out for ourselves. But having kind of a fellowship or community being able to come together and, you know, I'm sure there's some fun banter in there as well. But, you know, being very intentional about you know, what is this, what is this, um, what is this idea of, of, of being a man? What, what, what is it actually? And, um, and, and what does it mean to me? And, and based on what it means to me, like, what are the things I need to do so that I can, I can shape that idea um, for myself? Cause it's, it's very individual. Um, so I think you're doing some great stuff, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. I think, I mean, it seems to be well received. It's people don't expect it to come out of my mouth, you know, cause I've, I'm, you know, I've got a skinhead, I've got tattoos all over me. Um, you know, I've got a little bit of muscle on my body. So when I start talking about feelings and vulnerability, uh, people are a bit surprised, but yeah. I think it resonates well. Cause I've also got that other side to me. Like I, I love lifting weights. I like beer. I like my food. I like men to be men, that kind of thing. So I, I'm trying you know, on my own journey to show that you can still have that toughness and ruggedness about you, but have that ability to try and learn and to become more open and vulnerable and kind and considerate. And that's really the thing that's changed my life. The, the moment I started to become kinder, 
or yeah. tried to become kind. That was a, yeah, the thing that that made me feel decent. I you know I've had far more money in my bank account than what I've got now. I've had all of that stuff, but I never felt decent about myself, you know. And it was yeah. only until that I started to behave like a decent man, funnily enough. It's yeah. so obvious when you look back, you know, when you see how you were behaving as a twenty as a twenty year old Jesse though, you know fuck all, do you? You think you do. <laughs> Especially as a guy, man. Like yeah. you think you know it. And then you yeah. hit thirty and you start to learn a little bit more. And it's only now at thirty I'm thirty seven now. Now you really start to understand yourself a little bit better. And now I get that whole thing with men in their forties go, your forties are your best years of your life because you know yourself well. You don't care about other people's opinions as much. You're just more comfortable. And I can see that path evolving now in front of me. I don't know whether you've experienced a similar journey, like 20s, 30s, well, obviously not 40 yet, but um, going in there. So, yeah. I don't know how old you are actually, dude. I don't want to insult you and say you're 40. because I'm, I'm I'll be 40 in seven, eight months, something like that. Oh, so. I'll do. Yeah. So, yeah. Like familiar, like 20s, 30s and going into your 40s, you feel like you know yourself more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, I can't remember, there was something I heard, or there was a book that talks about the different stages of life. And you've got like the wanderer, the student, and then the teacher. And there's, there's other phases as well. And I was certainly a wanderer in my 20s trying to figure it out. I mean, I had the, the thing that I do remember is I had clear direction of the things that I was going to do. Everything around that, though, was pretty chaotic. Um, so I, while I had some, some vision and some dream, um, there was, there was, uh, there was chaos around it. Um, and then it, then it started to become a real thing in my life. Like this vision started to become a reality in my life. And and then all of a sudden in my thirties, it was about being okay with the thing that I had, the thing that I created or, or the thing that I was gifted. And that was career. That was a child. And it was, then me forced to kind of look at myself and um, feel as though I deserve these things. Do I deserve these things? Like, is this okay for me to have? Um, Cause I've been sabotaging this whole thing for, you know, for the last decade. Now it's here. What is this supposed to mean? Um, and so I, I had to kind of appreciate it. And I would say kind of more now that I'm getting close to 40, uh, yeah, it's just it's just sitting 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 in the here and now and just being really okay with it. Like I I know myself better than I've ever known myself, and I mean it's like you know a new year passes and a new things revealed. But um, I don't know about you, but there's certain parts of me that I have to manage, I have to be aware of because they're insidious. They come up and uh, and they can they can get in the way of me. Um, of me, I guess, connecting to what some call my higher self or my my guide, my director, the CEO of me. They um they're 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 parts of me that have to be managed. And uh and that's that's uh kind of a a red line throughout. It's there. Um uh and uh anxiety is one of those things uh which I've learned to kind of love about myself but also <laughs> have to manage within myself sure. uh, and then uh just just the ability to um sit with what is and really appreciate and feel as though i deserve it that that sometimes is a thing that can come up for me that is part of my my default my autopilot and uh 
I just noticed that it's a lot easier now for me to, to see those things and, and appreciate them noticing, Oh, you're there. Cool. That's, that's part of me, but, but it's uh, easier for me to allow them to pass and, uh, or sit next to them and, and not allow them to have a big voice. Yeah, man, everything you just said there can totally resonate with. Yeah, I mean, I have to manage those things daily. I have to get up and check myself every day because yeah. I could easily be a horrible bastard today. Easily. <laughs> no, I can. Like, it's in me. It's there. It's, I think it's in everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've, I've seen myself be nasty, spiteful, hateful. I've seen all those things resentful. It's yeah. horrible. It's not a nice feeling. No one wins when you're in that place. So, yeah, I have to check myself every day, remind myself of my values, who I want to be. And it's it's strange. I think some people find this a bit weird when I say this, but I have to work hard on being nice. Sometimes it, I just do, um, and I'm, I'm totally okay with admitting that. Like same with fun, I have to work hard to have fun. Sometimes it's not a natural thing for yeah. me to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you can teach people and you know pass on any wise words of wisdom on how you get to that, I deserve this point because yeah, I'm not there yet with that one. Like you know, I think it's hard to convince myself that I deserve any great things that happen in my life i don't feel that way so yeah. i don't know how you yeah i don't know how you got to that level uh or whether it's an organic thing that that, that happens i don't know but to to sit there and go oh, i deserve all the good things that happen to me yeah i'm not at that level yet just yeah yeah i mean um who are you not to deserve like why and, and this is what i this is the this is the point that i arrived to probably over the last couple of years that part of me is a choice. That anxiety that I feel, while it's generalized, it can come up out of nowhere. I, I don't have much choice when it's there. I get to choose whether I buy into it fully or not. And and I do think you know having having a somewhat of a spiritual life can can really help in those moments because some of these things we allow to become bigger than ourselves. And whenever we have something that's bigger than ourselves that we can connect to, whether that's the universe or you know, something um, for some people, it might be religion. For others, it might just be a tree out the front door. When we have that thing that we can anchor to, it it reminds us that those parts of us that are, in fact, appendages, right? They come along for the ride anywhere that we go. Um, don't have to have such a loud voice. Like you are, if, if I look at you and, and let's pretend, you know, um, I get to have the say in this. I would say that you deserve everything that you get. Why can't that be true? What could be even truer than you don't deserve? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's a common thing that I notice in a lot of guys. It's 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 that not good enough feeling all the time, isn't it? It's hmm. always that feeling like you could do better and yeah, it's it's a real common one, and it's deep. Uh, yeah, like the anxiety and stuff. Like, I I I understand that being part of like. I think that's normal. You know, I'm okay with managing anxiety. I understand it, and you know, I can uh, relate it to excitement, and and there's all sorts of things. But there's some deep rooted things, isn't there, in us yeah. as humans that like, yeah, that real mm -hmm. like nitty horrible gritty stuff that, like you say, probably takes years to unravel. And let's face it, not many of us want to go there and look at those ugly sides to ourselves. But I think you have to. I think that, what is it they say? You have to go down into the basement and shine the light on the darkest like, corners of the room to find out what's there. And then you have to accept it. Like To accept that you can be a horrible, nasty person is tough. Like We're human. We've all got the capabilities to, to kill, to murder, to be horrible. And knowing that those ugly traits are in us, some people just can't handle 
Mm. The way for me to do it is to shine a light on those things and acknowledge them and then try and manage them. Like you said, like check in and and, yeah. and them and then choose not to engage with them. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what you're doing with, with your community group, like conversation, you said shine a light. And I think that's, that's spot on. It's just either giving them a location or giving them a, a face or a name so that when you put them into the circle, uh, you know, uh, surrounded by community in conversation, they become smaller than what they actually feel like. Uh, so I think that community piece is really important. I mean, you look, you, you see, you see like in fellowships like uh, AA and, and uh, you know, Overeaters Anonymous, all of that, like part of the magic is, lightening the load through, through the fellowship experience, through sharing stories, through, you know, a series of steps, through yeah. a spiritual way of living, like all of those things contribute to you being able to sit in your own skin and be comfortable. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, similar to that fellowship model, the thing, the work that you're doing allows people to do that, to be a part of something and, and lighten their load. Yeah, sure, man. And it's like if, you know, if you have a small tumor that you can't see, like it's more dangerous because, you know, you don't know it's there. Yeah. Whereas, you know what I mean? Whereas if we know those things are there, whether they're ugly or not, like we can yeah. at least deal with it. And yeah, you're right. I didn't think about it like that. The AA is exactly that. It's you, you, you step forward and you're there and you admit you've got a problem and all yeah. of a sudden the problem is in front of you. It's not hidden to the side. So yeah. it might feel more traumatic at the time, but at least you can, deal with it and observe it and and challenge yeah. it so um just i'm aware of time because i know you're a very busy guy so i appreciate the time you've given no me problem. this is this is fun you had fun yeah man yeah Dude, it's good. we need to go and stick a few beers because i think yeah. we'd have some crazy, <laughs> i think we'd have some crazy conversations but before we go just a couple of things just tell me a little bit more about the four elements um and yeah. you know, how you implement those into your own life so, so what I've loved about this conversation is i feel like i've just been talking to you like a human being and and that's, that's cool that and that's great. Um, so the four elements are eat, sweat, think, and connect. Um, and, you know, for me, they've been a big part of my work since, uh, I would say, 2000 and the early 2000s, put it that way. Um, it's a holistic approach to well-being. It's just about looking at your physical, your mental, emotional, your social, and your spiritual life. And, uh, and figuring out how you can own behaviors underneath under each of those elements. So in Pavelka, we introduce the elements in everything that we do. And if I'm working with an individual, it's about understanding where they're at, where they've been. Sometimes what they'll say is, you know, I've, I've done, I've tried everything. I've tried every weight loss program, every diet. And uh, the thing that they hadn't tried is plugging themselves into community and trying to take some ownership of those small things that they can do each and every day under each of the elements. So they're really just a focal point or a framework that people can hang some behaviors on each and every day, behaviors that they own that start to shape a new relationship with life. Um, we said this before, behavior shape beliefs, and the elements are essentially a series of behaviors that start to shape a new belief system for, uh, for yourself the way you look at yourself and the way you look at the world. I'll give some examples just to, you know, help people kind of understand it a bit more. So if someone's embracing the elements, it could be as easy as for eat, you know, if we know that um, they're eating one main meal a day and that main meal is in the evening and they're, 
you know, they're, they're eating maybe some snacks throughout the day and it's two bags of crisps. And at the end of the day, they're getting about 2,500 calories of nonsense on their plate. One small change might be for them to have three, uh, three main meals a day and that's it. Right. And, and in between, maybe they have an apple. So there, there's no magic there. There's no prescription there. It's about them just getting in some routine around food and starting to, to understand food in a different way and, and consistency as well. Uh, another thing under the eat element might be water, as simple as drinking more water. In organizations, we, we introduce hydration as a thing because we know that people that are stressed, uh, drinking too much coffee to fuel their energy levels are going to be extremely dehydrated. So for the eat element, we, we do a whole thing on hydration. Um, and that might be the one behavior that they do each and every day. You know, four tall glasses of water, eight tall glasses of water, um, depending on the individual. Um, and then for sweat element, it might be, again, if I use it in the context of work, it might be going for a 10 minute walk between meetings, a brisk walk between meetings, giving you a total of maybe 30 minutes a day. Um, that might be one behavior you engage in. Another thing might be a morning stretch session, which is a series of very basic stretches. Um, for the think element, it might be uh, mindfulness meditation in the morning, some breathing, uh, you know, at the end of a meeting taking three deep breaths, something really simple that that individual can own. And uh, for connect, it might be making sure that you're having dinner with your family and having conversation, not in the office, not, you know, takeaway food, having dinner that you cooked, that, that you can bring your family around, sit down and have a meaningful conversation. That might be the behavior that you engage in. So again, very simple stuff. It's it, There's no kind of magic there. The idea though is to guide the individual to a point where they take some ownership of what those behaviors are. How is that individual going to eat, sweat, think, and connect each and every day? What's the plan they're going to build for themselves? And then after, you know, let's say a month, two months, three months, sharing that experience with others. So we try to plug individuals into communities and those communities for me are, is where the magic happens. Just like with your work and, 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 and the work around Better Man, it's about conversation. It's about story sharing. It's about demonstration as well. So if you're having that glass of water, share a picture of it. You know, If you're eating that apple, take a bite out of it, send a picture of it. That's the accountability piece. That's also the visual cue for the people in the community that you're a part of to do the same. So again, nothing super complex about it. Nothing super scientific about it. It's just things we do each and every day, giving them a name, owning them, and then sharing them with uh, like-minded people. No, that's brilliant, man. And it may, it doesn't, it never has to be com complicated. No, it, no, it doesn't. I think people would like it to be, uh, but it's not. Um, and I love the, I love the connect element of the, that. I think that's fantastic. I've never really heard that thrown into the mix. Or I think that's a great, a great part. Yeah. Of element. So, so that's really cool. And then finally, dude, like, what, what would you consider like, being a better man is all about. So if you had to kind of like encourage anyone listening to this to do something in order to become a better man, a better human being, what, what, what would you say that would be or what top things would you do or where would you start? Um, there are three things that are coming up for me and I'll say them. I don't know that they're the right ones. If I really thought about it, I'm sure I'd come up with other ones, but uh, there's something around, and, and, and this isn't the right terminology. I think there's positive and negative ego in, in the world of psychology. I think that's how they look at it. I would call it dirty and clean ego. 
and 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 one being both being fuel, um, one being creating toxic toxic air for others to breathe, the other creating clean air for others to breathe, or in some cases, uh, you know, the output being inspiration for others to to you know to absorb and act on. Um, be aware of the fuel that you're using. Mm. Um, which ego is is fueling your your behaviors? Um, I think that's important. The other thing I would say is curiosity. Um, I think you know there's a certain point you're talking about. You know the different the different phases of evolution for us as men in our twenties, our thirties, our forties. I think curiosity can get lost on that journey, and and you know the the beauty of of mindfulness and you know, just pausing and noticing is we are, we are putting our brains in a curious state where we're not allowing our thoughts to take control of, of us and our, our, our decision-making. We're sitting with them and looking at them and we're the observers of those thoughts. I think that that can be extended out into the world and, and how we observe the world and others. There's, there's an element of curiosity that can empower us as men that uh, can, can, can help us develop and uh, and become something better. So I think curiosity is important. Uh, so we've got ego, curiosity, and uh, just be fucking nice. <laughs> like, just be a nice person. That's the best one. And you also mentioned what you consume as well. So Yeah, what you say. and by the way, I'm not those things all the time. I need that to be known. In fact, there are many moments throughout the day when I am not those things, those are, you know, when you, when you, when you set a vision for a company, you're not going to get it. It's the thing. It's the, it's the, the, it's the bright light that you're kind of going after. And I, and I think for a lot of us, like some of these things that we talk about, we do our best and, and that needs to be good enough. And you mentioned this, it's not going to be perfect. It's progress. And, and that's important. Like as a man, you know, as long as you are trying and truly trying, not not just lying to yourself trying, but truly trying, um, you've got to be okay with that because as men, we can be really, really hard on ourselves. And that gets in the way of any progress that we're trying to make. So I think that's really key. I think on that note, on that beautiful note, mate, we will, uh, we will leave it there. Uh, Jesse Valka, you are one cool dude. Hey, man, thanks for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> so are you, man. I've got like eight things I wanted to talk about. I covered two. I'm still <laughs> in 90 minutes. But maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll maybe have the pleasure of uh, speaking with you uh, again on another podcast. So that'd be cool. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. You're a busy dude. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Uh, I've had a blast. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it, man. And safe travels uh, to the well, to Vegas and good luck. And uh, in San Francisco, I'm worried. You've said good luck three times now. <laughs> and good luck with the photo shoot too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I need good luck for that. Anyway, yeah, you'll be great. Jesse, you're the main man. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate Thank you. you. All right, thank you, mate. Bye, dude. Thanks.